Hello, my name is Naomi Shi, and you're listening to MIR Spotlight, a weekly podcast that features MIR's Writer of the Week as chosen by her editorial board. Today, we have on the podcast Triumph Kierens, whose piece titled, What the Princess Bride, a 1930s Beauty Contest, and the GameStop Short All Have in Common, offers a unique perspective explaining the irrationality behind the GameStop saga. I am Triumph. I'm a third year economics and psychology student, and I'm a staff writer at MIR. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Triumph. Yeah, thank you for having me. So as your title suggests, your article explores an eccentric mix of topics covering the Princess Bride, a 1930s beauty contest, and the GameStop short. Well, your article begins with talking about the GameStop short, which definitely did make its rounds with headlines and even memes earlier this month. For our listeners who heard of the GameStop incident but don't know exactly what happened, can you give us a brief explanation of what went down? Yeah, for sure. So in essence, what happened was GameStop, you know, it's a brick and mortar video game store, which seems to be kind of like an antiquated sort of venture. There's a lot of digital versions of video games, different ways to get them, brick and mortars going out of business. So investors, hedge fund managers decided to short the GameStop stock, um, which is in essence betting against the stock. So what happens is you basically borrow a certain amount of the stock from the owner and promise we'll give it back to them later. And then you sell the stock at the higher price and then you buy it back at a lower price after it goes down and then give it back to the lender and you pocket the difference. So they thought the GameStop is going to go down. However, a user on the Wall Street Bets uh, Reddit page um, did some analysis and then realized that the hedge funds were maybe being a little like overzealous with their investments. They leveraged a lot of money on hedge fund tanking. So a bunch of Wall Street Bets members bought GameStop sort of as a meme and it caused the hedge funds to lose a ton of money because in investment, usually what happens is worst case scenario, you lose, say you invest $100, you lose all $100. But in short selling, technically the price can go up forever, you know? So the hedge funds were exposed to unlimited risks. So if it went high enough, the hedge funds would essentially go out of business. Then the investing sort of became like an activist movement by the members on Wall Street Bets and other people as well, who piled on to the GameStop stock, and it kind of became a movement to stick it to Wall Street. Thank you for breaking that down. I'm sure a lot of listeners, like myself, I heard about the whole catastrophe um, on Wall Street, but I really didn't have a good idea of what went down. And actually, your article offers an even more unique lens to understand this whole crisis of sorts, the lens of the Keynesian beauty contest. So I also have never heard of this term, but can I assume it probably doesn't have to do anything with John Maynard Keynes sponsoring a beauty contest? (laughs) Actually, you're, you're not that far off. So I wanted to examine in this article why people who weren't financially involved in the trade, so like not the people who invested in GameStop and not people who were shorting GameStop were annoyed by the the GameStop stock going way up. I saw when the GameStop situation happened that there was a bunch of rich people, financial elites sort of, who were on CNBC and other networks like that who were really, really angry. And I didn't really understand that anger. So my main thesis was that this situation was exposing how irrational price fluctuations on Wall Street really are. 
And that is not based on genius or fancy mathematical models to like predict where stocks are going. So I wanted to look into theories behind what causes these short-term fluctuations. So the one I landed on was the Keynesian beauty contest, which is an early theory in behavioral finance, which explains why these fluctuations are so irrational. So Keynes basically theorized that these fluctuations have nothing to do with the inherent value of the company. Like it doesn't matter if the company is doing well, if its price goes up today or down today, like it doesn't really matter. Nothing really changes that much in a day. But he actually claimed that the fluctuations were based on mass human psychology. So he compared the stock market to a game that he saw in his local Saturday newspaper, which was a beauty contest, which is where the name comes from. So essentially what happened was in the game that there is a ton of faces on the newspaper. You would win the game if you could accurately pick the six faces that most people who played the game found the prettiest. So to play this game, you could either pick the six prettiest you thought, but you know, beauty subjective. So um, that's probably not the best strategy. So the best strategy to play that game is to guess what the average person thinks is the most attractive. So he used this as an analogy of the stock market in the way that you want to buy a stock if you're trying to play these short-term fluctuations. You want to buy a stock right before everybody else does, and you want to sell a stock right before everybody else piles on. In essence, what you want to do is figure out what the average person in both the beauty contest and the stock market is thinking about a stock. So you want to know what gym average thinks is, uh, thinks is attractive. Um, and if you can guess that, you can stay ahead of the curve on the fluctuations and you can win the beauty contest game and make a ton of money on Wall Street. So that's essentially what the Keynesian beauty contest is. Something I'm dying to know is how the Princess Bride relates to all of this. Yeah, so I was thinking about writing this article and I wanted to make it more interesting than just a guy in the 1930s newspaper and Wall Street, because those two things by themselves are pretty dry. So I watched Princess Bride with my roommates for, I don't know, 10th time or something. And I saw the scene where Princess Buttercup's just been kidnapped by a trio of bandits and they're being chased down by a masked man who's actually Wesley, her long lost lover. So Wesley defeats one of the bandits in sword play and then he defeats the giant bandit in hand-to-hand combat. And then he comes down to a battle of wits between the head bandit, Vecini, and himself. What happens, the game that they play is that Wesley pulls out two cups of wine and he puts poison supposedly in one cup. And he gives the cups to Vecini and asks, where is the poison? You get to pick who drinks what and whoever's right lives and whoever's wrong dies. So I use this as a metaphor for Wall Street in a way. Vicini decides to pursue a tactic by trying to figure out which cup Wesley would poison. Well, it seems pretty logical. He's really working with really minimal information. He's trying to figure out what a man wearing a mask that he's never met before or knows anything about would do in his situation. So he's trying to put himself in Wesley's shoes and figure out what he would do. Ultimately, he kind of goes down this like deductive spiral. He starts talking about Sicily and uh, Australia, and he just starts trying to put things together. It doesn't really make any sense, but he thinks he's being very smart. What happens at the end is that They both drink the wine and Vecini loses and Wesley wins. And Wesley reveals that both cups were poisoned and that he'd been um, 
building up an immunity over time to the poison that he put in the cup. So there's no way Vecini could have known that. And without prior information, there's no way that he could have won that game. So Keynes in his beauty contest posit that market fluctuations are kind of based on the same reasoning as Vecini's, which you cannot do without prior information. Yeah, the best part of your article definitely was tying in the Princess Bride, in my point of view. But something else you also address in that same article is how the GameStop situation is a testament to how the allure of Wall Street is fading away. In other words, how the shift of gaining access to information like the insider information in the Princess Bride, in the Keynesian beauty contest, is slowly being democratized. So I guess my next question for you is, what do you think about this phenomenon? And what does it really say about the future of Wall Street? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, from my perspective, what's happening in Wall Street right now is that it's losing a lot of its allure and secrecy of sorts. So it used to be the place where rich people would put a lot of money, um, they'd give it to these mathematical geniuses who'd figure out what are the best stocks to pick, and it would help people make money and retire and live happy lives. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of issues with Wall Street recently, such as the 2008 financial crisis, lots of fraud, Ponzi schemes, all that sort of stuff. And I feel like the allure of Wall Street sort of fading away. And I feel like this was sort of a accelerator of that process. So like breaking into the finance industry initially had incredibly high barriers. You had to go to a good school. You had to really like finance. You usually had to have family connections to get in. And then you had to like work your way up to the top and in like a very competitive environment. Um, and eventually you get to the top and you'd have all the riches and you'd know all the secrets of a Wall Street insider. And if you put a ton of these insiders together in a city like New York, it allows people to meet with each other and become privy to information that was inaccessible to just your average Joe. So like some people know some things, it's not insider trading per se, it's just kind of what the people are thinking about what they're going to do next. It's kind of like talks of strategy. Until recently, that was where you found the average investor. The average investor was someone with $2 million to $50 million in their hedge fund, you know, and they essentially were treated as geniuses. They were treated as people who understood this complicated game. And to bring it back to the beauty contest, it was like knowing who the other players were. Like you knew what the other people found attractive. So you could guess pretty accurately what was going on. And it was very difficult to get into this club. And it seemed that these people could upend like the inherent rationality and they seemed to know what was going on. But I feel like this situation, especially because it's so ridiculous, like it's a bunch of 15 to 30 year olds on Reddit who don't take themselves very seriously. And they saw something that Wall Street didn't. And they sort of all piled on a stock and exposed how irrational the fluctuations of the market are. It tells a very interesting story about who the average investor is now. It's very different than who it was 30 years ago. With a ton of money in the market from average people, the average investor can now be a 18-year-old with a stimulus check as opposed to a person who went to Harvard Business School and has been investing since they were six, you know? And I feel like this is a good representation of the entire stock market at this point because there's a lot of things that don't make any sense in the stock market in terms of their actual value, um, such as Tesla and Bitcoin, for example. But people tend to believe the stories of these stocks. They tend to believe Elon Musk or a democratized currency devoid of the realities. 
So it seems to expose kind of that this game isn't necessarily one of genius. It's one of belief. It's one of people knowing what everybody else thinks and believes to be true. And it sort of it sort of shows that the whole facade of geniuses on Wall Street is untrue. Yeah, and listening to this kind of underdog, unconventional, even ridiculous story, I was watching all the news coverage on it, and I feel like there's a big sense of schadenfreude, uh, which is the German word for taking pleasure from someone's failure, basically. And we really saw this proliferate online, in public commentary, in other Reddit threads, even in mainstream media. So Triumph, do you have any commentary about this psychology? Yeah, so I didn't touch on this in the article per se, but I believe this year has led a lot of people to start to question the legitimacy of pre-existing power structures. So, for example, the pandemic caused the largest upward transfer of wealth in recent history. Billionaires got something like $900 billion richer. Bailout packages largely benefited corporations who then lay off their employees. The stock market soaring despite unemployment soaring and a lot of people getting evicted. Essentially, I feel like people are starting to realize that the institutions of power are not, they're not, they're houses of cards. You know, I believe the failure of politicians to handle this crisis and kind of the gains made by big business have generated a resentment in the populace. And I've been reading about this recently a bit. There's a concept called crisis of legitimacy. I think it's from political science, but it might also be from psychology. I'm not sure. But it's basically how it describes how people engage in irrational actions when they feel marginalized. So um, a lot of people are talking about it in 2016, how Donald Trump would lie all the time and people would still vote for him. And this doesn't really make any sense because Voting is supposedly a rational endeavor. You generally don't want to like put your trust in someone who just lies to your face, right? When people feel unheard, it actually helps politicians to lie. When power structures are failing people, people are ready to forget rationality and roll the dice on even someone who lies to them because when people are ignored, they are okay with doing these irrational things because voting comes a vehicle for their anger. Voting comes a statement. And I think the public supported this movement so much because people feel ignored. When a system seems corrupt and is a, appears to be run by elite insiders who only care about their own wealth accumulation, people don't really care about Reddit people earning money or not. They just want to make noise. The GameStop moment was kind of a moment of democracy in a way, I think, because it seems like the discontent of the people that has long been ignored was actually heard. Thank you so much, Triumph, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's Amaya Spotlight. Thank you so much for listening, and you can find Triumph's full article in the link attached. Don't forget to follow us at McGill International Review on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more up-to-date analysis on global issues and international affairs.